0: I said, everything's going to be all right. I said, everything's going to be all
1: right. Everything's going to be all right. Good day, wherever you're listening from, and welcome to Indoor Air Quality Radio. It's IAQ Radio. It's Friday, October 9th, 2015. We're up to episode 386. My name is Radio Joe Hughes. Here with me in the studio at the controls is our engineer, John. You got to have faith. Joining me from on the road is the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick.
2: Hey, Joe. I'm from sunny Sarasota today. It's a beautiful day down here, and it's always good to be with you and our guests and listeners on IQ Radio.
1: It's a pretty day on the mountain, too. Uh, May get some rain later today. All right, today's guests, we've got, I think Pete's coming. I haven't seen him yet. We've got Pete Consigli. We've got Nate Adams, and we have Ed Ranieri. Today's show is going to be what we learned last week at the Healthy Building Summit. We had some great presentations. Looking forward to an excellent show. Before we get started, let's thank our marquee sponsors.
2: John Don Products. For restoration and abatement contractor shop, visit them at johndon.com.
1: Clean Facts, the number one information source for cleaning and restoration professionals. Check them out at cleanfacts.com.
2: IAQ.net and Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions available at IAQ.net. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio when you acquire about their products or services.
1: Okay, you can now search for old shows or topics on the IAQRadio.com website. Of course, you can also download shows, stream shows. Uh, direct through your computer and you can subscribe to our iTunes on the, I'm sorry, to our podcast on the iTunes podcast area. Last but not least, please visit the IAQ Training Institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust at iaqtraining.com. All right, let's turn it over to the Z-Man for today's IAQ Radio trivia question.
2: Thanks, Joe. The IAQ Radio trivia question for Friday, October 9, 2015, has been sponsored by Triska, the Restoration and Specialty Cleaners Association, who have been serving the needs of and advocating for their members for over 30 years. Remember, Triska is your link to industry training, certification, standards, and events. Their website is trsca.org. Now for today's IAQ Radio trivia question. What is the origin of the term above board? Back to you, Joe.
1: Okay, thank you, Cliff. Today we've got, let's see, I've got a little intro. Nate Adams. Nate started as a fiberglass insulation manufacturer, and then he went into the retrofit insulation contracting business. He got a little frustrated and has been searching for a better way. He spent the last few years developing and honing a sales process where he sells large, complicated home performance jobs, typically to solve homeowner problems at the root. He's blogged throughout this painful transition on the Energy Smart blog, and his work was then picked up by several energy-related magazines and groups. The focus on results has also led Nate to focus on measurement and after-the-fact measurement, which is really important. And he has found that energy savings are actually predictable on the projects where he does a full retrofit. He continues to blog about the home performance industry via the One Knob blog. We've also got Ed Ranieri. Ed was a partner in the Ohio-based Cleveland Masters of Disaster, and he's been a professional cleaning and disaster restoration business for 32 years. He's an entrepreneur who gets bored easily and wanted to try something new, so he decided to take a shot at pitching a TV show. and the world of restoration, about what the world of restoration is all about, and I'll be darned, home run. His first TV show with HGTV was called Catastrophe Inc., and he and his team traveled the country and shot 13 episodes that depict a wide range of restoration scenarios. It's aired on HGTV, the DIY Network, DIY Network Canada, and it's still running, I believe, in Switzerland. Pete Consigli. I hope Pete's going to be joining us here. He is a regular on the show, both as an advisor to the RIA and as the restoration industry's global watchdog. Many also know Pete as the executive chef at the Building Science Corporation summer camp. We've got some music for the crew.
0: Toxic galore. I'm holding back. There's so much more. Explore. Take the tour. Ensure to find the cure. Grab the torch and hit the floor. Securing the future of this art. Sign up now. Come on, let's start. I'll see you at the summit. Don't let your club plummet.
3: Plummet. Plummet. Plummet.
0: plummet. plummet.
1: All right. Hey, let's get uh, Nate Adams on here first. Nate, do we have you?
3: You
1: do. Hello, Joe. All right. Great to – it was great to meet you last week in person. We had had you on the show. I wanted to uh, ask if you could give our listeners a little overview of uh, maybe a a thing or two you learned or just the general observations on the conference last week. Well,
3: I can probably do a little bit of both. Uh, The the, the thing that really struck me the most was uh, how committed everyone at the conference was to – Uh, truly measuring things and trying to understand what works and what doesn't uh, and to move on from methods that don't work. Uh, And that is a frustration within my industry where there's very little uh, accountability or after-the-fact measurements. Uh, And if you don't have feedback, how do you know whether something worked or not? Um, And then uh, a lot of my experience, frankly, was uh, I'm not either at a one-on-one level for a lot of the things that were talked about. So uh, I was struggling to keep up with a lot of the presentations, but it was wonderful to dig into uh, how to measure mold and do it in a way uh, that uh, makes sense, like Dr. Spurgeon was talking about, and that's uh repeatable and valid, uh, valid, validated. Um, and then, uh, Dr. Eva King's presentation at the end, I also found particularly fascinating about uh, uh, allergens. And uh, I guess the the cat allergens really stuck with me, how the uh, cat standard protein uh, sticks to small particles very easily. So if you have a cat, you have contaminated pretty much everywhere you've gone with your cat standard.
1: Yeah, that was a great, uh, great presentation, uh, Doctor King, and then of course Doctor Spurgeon. You know, Joe has been doing that presentation for several years now, where he you know kind of makes us think about whether or not the methods we're using, in particular methods for measuring mold, and in particular things like spore traps and some of the other typical sampling types of uh you know procedures people use whether they've been validated or not i thought he did a great job on that presentation and what came out of it which is i think something that's going to be very important for next year we've got a group of people that have agreed to work as a group get together meet and then develop a protocol that we can all work toward for the next year and work toward validating that protocol. So looking forward to doing that work with uh, some of the others that agreed. Eric Shapiro was there. We also had um, the guys from Children's Mercy Hospital, Kevin Kennedy, Luke Gard, they plan on doing the same. So I think that one's going to really bear some fruit down the road. Let me turn it over to Ed, uh, the, the master of disaster there. Ed Ranieri, talk to, tell us a little bit about your thoughts on the conference.
0: How you doing today, Jeff?
1: Great to have you. Ed.
0: Great to have you as well. Uh, you know, first of all, I have to pay you personally a lot of respect. Putting together a conference, especially when you've got two or three classes running at the same time, is uh, a huge undertaking. So I have to give you uh, some props and tell you that you did a great job bringing a lot of people together to share a lot of really good information. And ultimately, I believe that our long-term success is contingent upon these kind of platforms. We've got to bring people together to talk. If we don't do that, ultimately, we may succeed, but I think it's not going to be in our lifetime. So I just want to say that I had a great time at your show. Uh, I've been going to these with my dad since I was a young boy, and I've seen the evolution of how these things have really come a long way. And my biggest thing that I noticed and was most admirable, too, is the camaraderie amongst industries. We had healthcare professionals there. We had indoor air quality professionals there. We had restoration professionals there. And we're finally all realizing that the only way that we're going to grow is by communicating. And the most important thing that I took home as simple as it is, was from Doc Spiegel. And I think that uh, you'll remember I even put one of his his quotes into my presentation because I was so impressed by something so simple. And this is a man that sits around, and 80% of his life is dedicated to research, as we learned, and 20% is dedicated to teaching. And twice this slide came up in his presentation, And this is coming from a man that is completely brilliant, statistically brilliant. He said, we have to communicate to be successful. And you almost want to look at each other and go like, duh, right? I mean, something so simple. But yet, here we have a man, and we heard it multiple times, saying, if we want to grow, if we want to move forward, we need to communicate. And he really meant it wholeheartedly and not just communicating via internet. He said, another thing that I remember specifically is that he learned more when he went out and talked to people, when he was getting ready to set up the monitoring equipment, when he was working on a project, he learned more by talking to the people in the building. It's amazing. The power of talking to people. And then today's world via Twitter and Facebook and Every other social media uh, venue that's out there and Skyping, um, you know, they've got value. But here you have a PhD telling you at the end of the decade, the most important thing is communication. And that just rings so, so, so loud with me. And it also echoes the reason that you and other people need to continue to put together the venue that you do. And all the people in this industry need to make a concerted effort Continue to try to get to them because we finally have all realized that if you put us together, we can do some pretty remarkable stuff.
1: You know, I appreciate that um, th- your statements there, Ed, and and one of the things that happened early on, and it was actually during the second presentation, we had a um, a panel on on. Healthcare essentially, and and indoor environmental quality and healthcare, and we had the guys from Children's Mercy Hospital, and uh, Luke Gard and Kevin Kennedy. Actually, Luke was doing a presentation, and he mentioned steam cleaning carpet, and that being a recommendation. And what was so beautiful is we had all these disaster restoration guys in the room too. And and because I had been hanging out with Cliff and doing this show for you know eight years now, I knew that. That wasn't the right term to use, and, and so I kind of brought it up to the group, and then uh, we had a nice discussion with the restoration guys and the healthcare people about right what the right terminology is to use. So, you know, we've got people writing protocols and saying, you know, that you should steam clean the carpets when there, you know, there is no such thing as steam cleaning the carpets, and, and we discussed hot water extraction and the best, you know, the best ways to clean carpet and and uh, after especially in particular this i think it had to do with mold but you know any kind of uh any kind of contaminant once we get it on the carpet you know hot water extraction at least i think and i think most of the uh people there thought that that's you know one of the best ways to clean it now has that been validated i don't know we, we we've been looking and we actually did a little small research project while we were there on allergens and uh hot water extraction versus HEPA vacuuming versus just plain vacuuming. And um, I can talk a little bit more about that when we get later on into the show. But, uh, yeah, I agree. That was a great – the great part of it was that communication. I was also glad we brought at least a few of the home performance guys in, in that um, Nate was there. He did – helped with one of the panels and also that Richard Rue was there. Richard, um, with Energy Wise, is a, essentially an uh, engineer who helps design residential and small commercial buildings that use less energy and that are healthy, energy-efficient buildings. Nate, I, know, I wanted to check see if you wanted to follow up on how that panel went with respect to building science.
3: Um. Well, it was just interesting to hear from a few different people, and particularly uh, uh, Richard Grew. I mean, being a friend of mine helps. But uh, uh, what he has been saying for years and what I'm coming to the conclusion of is uh, uh, you know most of the folks that you work with, are dealing with a house that's already been messed up pretty badly um, by whatever forces. Typically, uh, Richard and I – well, Richard's dealing with brand-new homes, so they definitely haven't been messed up with. Uh, messed up yet. And in my case, I deal with existing homes, which typically are not too bad a shape. Uh, so I liked that, uh, it seemed like almost everything in the conference was supporting. If you can control humidity well and, uh, do good filtration and bring in, uh, adequate fresh air, you can avoid most of the problems that the disaster restoration industry, uh, deals with and the indoor air quality, uh, the industry deals with so you can fix problems at their root before they become a problem. Um, and just having that reinforced was good because I'm constantly questioning myself. Am I taking the right uh, path? Am I making the right recommendations? Do I have uh, measurements to verify uh, what I'm trying to do? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to understand what's going on.
1: I was muted there. Let me, let me turn it over to the Z Man for a moment, Cliff. I'd like to get your overall thoughts, and then if you have any specific things you saw that really stood out to you.
2: Um, yeah, being a restoration guy, I certainly liked uh, you know the indoor air quality stuff, the energy stuff, uh, you know the sampling stuff. Uh, you know, I appreciated the fact that you know we're doing some ongoing uh, testing. I'm very excited about. Uh, a protocol, and uh, you know, one of the things that that, that Nate said is um, about. You know, he made this comment on measuring and how people are committed to measuring and uh, determining what works and what doesn't, and then moving on uh, when it doesn't work. I think that. You know, unfortunately, in the restoration side of it, you know, we have some standards that have been published, and these standards weren't necessarily published on what works and what doesn't. And I think there was misinformation and made-up stuff put into those documents. And unfortunately, I think it's uh, prevented our industry uh, in many ways from, from moving on. Uh, I was very impressed. Uh, I think on our restoration day, uh, I think it's good to have one. You know, a day that's you know devoted uh, entirely to it, and I really liked uh, uh, Ralph Moon's presentations. Uh, you know about building trust between insurance companies and uh, restoration contractors, and you know going through some of the dynamics of how to build trust. And I thought his uh, presentation on fibers was was really good. Uh, I loved Eds. I think everybody there. Uh, really appreciated it. You know, he's animated, he's excited. You know, he had the video clips, and you know, I think people were really, uh, really getting into it. So uh, I like uh, Jim Pemberton's presentations. All in all, I thought it was great, and I think one of the unique things about this event is it's really a one-on-one situation where the presenters have the opportunity to interact with people of the audience and and vice versa. You know, many of these, uh, venues, you know, a presenter makes a speech and then he's out of there on an airplane, you know, the, the folks that we have there have a tendency to stay there for several days. And, you know, nowhere probably in the world can you get that much, uh, contact, you know, in terms of small classroom, uh, you know, small numbers of people and, uh, Really high quality presenters,
1: and just so many of them. You know that's pretty common at these research-related conferences. They're not real big, and I, I hope we can change that in the future. I'd like to go back to the opening presentation because I I just was really, and I know many of the people who attended were really impressed with uh, Dr. Jeff Siegel and his presentation. And it, and and as Cliff said, he stuck around for two full days, and um, hung out and and talked to people and contributed when other presentations were taking place. I want to give some exact, you know, some really good nuggets of information for listeners. Jeff spent a lot of time preparing, I can tell, this presentation for this audience, and he came up with the top eight things, indoor environmental quality-wise, that he thought practitioners could learn from researchers and and vice versa and and the number one was that bad indoor air quality is really expensive and you know he went on to in each case of these eight points he went on to show us what the research is that led him to this major conclusion so bad indoor air quality is really expensive and by the way we're going to have opportunities for people to see these presentations again we've got video of the conference we're working on getting that into a package that you know we can have people look at down the road but i wanted to get some highlights out this week the second top 8 thing was the green is not really green and that one really caught a lot of people's attention i think you know most people to some degree in that area, knew that bad indoor air quality costs money. They may not have realized how much, may not have had the documentation behind them to tell building owners, you know, hey, you know, it may not seem like we're doing that much for you, but when, when you get down to the numbers, it adds up quite a lot. But green is not really green was a, a great presentation or part of his presentation. And um, one of the things he, he mentioned was that the perceived – value of sustainability has led to a lot of what he called greenwashing. I think most people know what that is, and that we do things to make buildings healthier because we we think they're good things, but we may not always know. And the two excellent examples that he brought out were paints and plants. And he was very, I mean, very um, forthcoming in saying that low VOC paints essentially were were pretty much not the right answer to having a greener building and that the research has shown pretty definitively, at least in his mind, and he did a good job of convincing me of this, that the right answer in that respect is to use an ordinary latex paint and to wait before you occupy the building, so let it ventilate out. And um, I I thought he really supported that statement very well with the research that he brought to show that, hey, you know, this is uh, basically a greenwashing thing. And then he also brought up the – I I see this all the time, and we've had Hal Levin on, and he talked about this, that plants somehow improve indoor air quality. And it comes back every once in a while, and they always point back to this – NASA study that, you know, did show that the plants have some good effect on indoor air quality when you're in a spaceship. Well, we don't live in spaceships, and and Jeff pointed that out. You know, buildings are not spaceships. Removal by plants cannot compete with ordinary ventilation and other processes. The effectiveness of less than one percent are common so it's it's very rare that these plants have any good you know effectiveness and indoor sources are often continuous or episodic not one time so you know having plants there isn't going to help with a continuous indoor air quality issue or an episodic one so that just happens on a, you know a water loss or whatever and lastly that pollutant loss rates pollutants loss rates are virtually identical with and without plants. So that's just the first two of his top eight things. Um, other things he, he brought up, and I, I'd like to finish the, the first half. Yeah, almost finish the first half with, with these other top eight things that he presented because they were so fascinating and so well-received by the audience. Number three was, We are caring about the wrong contaminants. And he brought up research that showed us what contaminants we should be more concerned about than others, and that included PM2.5. So particulate matter 2.5, we should be paying much more attention to these smaller particles. Formaldehyde was second on his list. Um, Acrolein was, was on the list, and I'm still researching that one a little more. Give me some time on that one. Radon environmental tobacco smoke, and ozone. So those were his top six contaminants we should be concerned about, but all I ever hear about is mold. Um, it, it just drives me crazy. I'm not saying mold's not a problem. It is a problem. It's a huge problem. There's a lot of wet buildings out there, but there are a lot of other things we should be looking at. His third or his um, fourth point was that adding anything to indoor air is a bad idea. So he he was very clear about the research on adding things to indoor air, ozone, et cetera. And he pointed out what the research said on those additions to indoor air and basically came to the conclusion that we shouldn't add things to the indoor air. His fifth point, we should all be doing a lot more air cleaning. And I thought that tied nicely into Richard Rue's presentation during the Building Science Day, which was day two. We talked a lot about building science and mold. Actually, was a part of day two. We did a half and half day there. Day one was all indoor environmental quality. We talked about working with health providers, healthcare providers. Then day two was more of the building science and the mold day. Um, and Richard Rue, a builder basically or an engineer who you know helps to design mechanical systems and building enclosures so he's a building science guy he was contending that all along and those two tied together real nicely i thought so we should be doing a lot more air cleaning number six bad hvac systems are one of our biggest problems of course i think most of our listeners know that is a a huge one of the top eight indoor environmental quality issues bad hvac systems badly maintained HVAC systems, badly designed HVAC systems, badly installed HVAC systems are one of our biggest indoor environmental quality problems. Again, he went to the research to support why he made that one of his top eight. Number seven, uh, we should not be afraid of microorganisms, but we should be wary of what we are doing to them indoors. Um, I think Jeff came up with some very interesting arguments um, and, and research about microorganisms and, and essentially how little we really know about them, and um, I thought he did a great presentation for that portion of his uh, presentation. It was very interesting, and I think we're going to see a lot more on, on the microbiome of indoor environments as time goes on. I know we are, and that's where he also mentioned a lot of the money is being spent on studying that. Indoor environment microbiome, and of course, we should care about moisture and moisture problems. Was was his eighth um, of the top eight things, and and the research is very clear that moisture and moisture problems lead to poor indoor air quality, indoor uh, poor performance. But I got the impression he didn't think we had figured out why yet, and I tend to agree with him, especially having all these uh, folks that we've had on the show over the years, we just don't know why exactly moisture uh, dampness and moisture problems cause so much havoc in indoor environments, but we do know that it is a, a huge issue. So I wanted to get those out because I thought it was important for people to you know, get something they could take home from, from this show, but also to kind of give you a little um, teaser on what we'll be able to present later when we get. Uh, Dr. Siegel's full video up and and his PowerPoint slides. So looking forward to that. All right. I believe that should take me to halftime. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to take a little break for halftime. We've got to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back with the second half of our show, What We Learned at Healthy Building Summit 2015.
2: The Indoor Air Quality Association, a nonprofit, multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at iaqa.org. Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, we use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them at wolfsense.com.
1: Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Check them out at legends-enviro.com.
2: And, of course, our marquee sponsors, John Don Products, or Restoration and Abatement Contractors Shop. Visit them at Johndon.com.
1: CleanFacts, the number one information source for cleaning and restoration professionals. Check them out at CleanFactsWithAnX.com.
2: IAQ.net and Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions available at IAQ.net. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio when you inquire about their products for
1: services. Okay, this is Radio Joe Hughes. We're back for the second half of our show here. I've got Ed Ranieri and Nate Adams and, of course, the Z-Man. We're still looking for um, the Pete Consigli. The the uh, global watchdog hasn't joined us yet, but I'm sure he'll be around soon. Let me, let me go back. I want to, you know, now that I've spent some time kind of giving more detail on Dr. Siegel's presentation, I want to go back and see if Ed and or Nate or Cliff have any other comments they'd like to add with respect to his presentation. And then there's a couple others I really want to highlight. Um, Dr. Spurgeon did just some fantastic stuff, and I know Eva King had some very interesting uh, points in her presentation, but also she helped us with one of the research projects. I want to talk about that. Cliff, anything you'd like to add at this point?
3: No, no.
2: Unfortunately, I missed uh, Scott I was in Pittsburgh, and uh, yeah, I missed the first day. So uh, oh. I regret that, but I'm looking forward to uh, the PowerPoint. And uh, you know, I did get a chance to interact with him in uh, second day, and uh, you know, as always, he's a pleasure. And uh, his comments, uh, you know, that he makes, you know, both in class and and outside, are you know, always right on point and and make you think and he does it in a way that, um, yeah, you know, it's it, you know he's so smart and he's so well educated, and yet he, he, he you feel at ease when you talk to him. You know, he, he he explains things really, really well, in, in a way that um, it makes it real understandable and thought provoking as
1: well. I agree with that, Cliff. Let's let's go, to Nate. Anything you wanted to add?
3: Um, yeah, well, two things. Uh, the first thing is I want to chime in uh, along with Ed uh, and just say it's wonderful the group of guys uh, and gals that you bring uh, to that conference. Mm-hmm. That I would say I learned as much, if not more, outside of the classrooms as I did in. Um, uh, it was, uh, And actually, Jeff was one that was... Uh, just wonderful to work with, Dr. Siegel. Uh, uh, We had a couple of meals together and uh, just discussed a lot of things. And you can build relationships, which you can't do very easily over the phone or over email. There's nothing like sitting across uh, uh, the table from someone uh, while you share a meal. Um, So uh, in any case, I found that to be wonderful because everybody was just together and we were mixing from different industries and learning things that none of us knew. Um, or well, that only one of us knew. So I thought that was wonderful. So the cooperation is really key. So I'm glad Ed brought that up. Uh, but specifically uh, in Dr. Siegel's uh, presentation, something that really struck me was uh, one of his points. He said that ventilation, uh, bringing in fresh air, is uh, fairly limited in a lot of cases. Uh, Uh, Joe, you probably know this, but on the the top 10 list of worst outdoor air quality, the first seven are all in California. But then the other three are Pittsburgh, uh, Cincinnati, and Cleveland. So all kind of sister-ish cities. Um, Pittsburgh and Cleveland definitely are siblings because we fight like that. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But uh, uh, the, the problem is the outdoor air quality is so poor most of the time that you don't want to bring the air inside. Uh, and even if it is relatively clean outside in general, uh, uh, Dr. Siegel is making the, uh, uh, the comment that of how many Canadians live within 150 feet, 300 feet, or 750 feet of a major road. And that struck home for me because my personal house is 30 feet off of a state route. Uh, with the 45-mile-an-hour speed limit and a bunch of diesel trucks. And I've measured the particulates, and I really don't want the outside air in my house. Hmm. Um, so you don't necessarily want to bring in a bunch of fresh air. It's much better to filter the air inside and bring outside air in as necessary.
1: Great point, Nate. Um, you know, it's interesting how different people pick up different things from these the same presentation. Ed, let me uh, turn it over to you.
2: Yeah, I, I think that
0: we probably could have all sat and listened to him the better part of the day uh, because uh, Cliff is just an guy to, listen to because he's definitely a wealth of knowledge um, and, and has a gift of communicating it with uh, a great eloquence as well. As well um, I'm going to beat it up one more time. People need to talk more. I really. Uh, Really, really was impressed with that, um, in that that was his, his ultimate thing that he began and ended with. Um, he also stated very clearly that we as an in industry have made a lot of headway doing research, but we also still have a long way to go, and that um, it's not going to happen overnight, and we need to be patient and that also the work that is being done out in the industry now needs to find a better way to be communicated to the researchers, that research doesn't always lead to work. Work also can supplement and lead to research, and that they're synonymous. And sometimes we think that research needs to be done prior to work. Um, And that I was intrigued also that, He said um, we need to look from a research standpoint at more public data, Uh, city data, I do believe is the term used. I could be wrong. Uh, What it is is it's taking the research from larger amounts of people, but looking at it um, for a little bit more the common denominator. You're going to take out the extremes on one side and the other, but not being afraid to look at the masses. He likes the idea of not having a very small, controlled environment all the time, he likes to be able to look also at big picture and that that has a whole heck of a lot more, not more, but a whole different approach to and an added value to his research style as well. Uh, Very smart man. Um, I've got a whole lot of respect for him and I can't wait to hear his next presentation.
1: You know... You guys, when you when you talk, it makes me realize a couple things. Number one, one of the biggest takeaways I had from my own personal life and my own personal business from the three days of presentations was actually from you, Ed, um, and, and that was that, that you have to ask if you want something to happen. You have to ask, and, and you did that. You 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 saw an opportunity. Uh, you thought. You were doing something that was very interesting, and that other people would find it interesting, but you had to go out and ask someone to put it on TV. They didn't come to you, and um, you know it's like with this show. I, I have sponsors, but I have a hard time asking sometimes. So I, I think um, that was a point that really hit home with me is that that I've got to be more willing to ask for the things that I want. You know, and I, I think we all sometimes. Um, don't do that, you know. So I appreciated that part of your presentation. And then the other part was, I think, equally as important, and that is that you were trying to emphasize for people that were at the conference to make sure that when they got back to their business that, you know, they would go ahead and, and take what they've learned and, and actually put it into practice. And then finally, the third thing, and actually this came from the Z-Man and his presentation, twisted around our theme and instead of research to practice, he said practice to research. And and we've got to do a better job of letting the researchers know, hey, this is a practice that we've been doing because we think it works. All right. And we know in some ways it does work. But we could use some more information on maybe why it works, how it works, how we can make it work better. And I, I agree. And and actually I've actually thought maybe next year that that should be the theme, practice to research. But, you know, that's something we'll talk about later. So I, I just wanted to bring those those couple of points up. I thought they were very important. Um, Cliff, let me turn it over to you one more time. Any other comments?
2: Right now, um, no, I'm good. All right, let me, let me
1: move right. on to another, a couple of other presentations that I, I wanted to make sure. There were so many, it was really hard to, um, you know, to come up with, just succinct uh, learning points from the different presentations there. I wanted to make sure I I did a shout out to um, Dr. Eva King and the presentation she did on allergens, because I think that's an area that we're going to see a lot more interest in. And it ties closely into the presentation that Kevin Kennedy did on the program at Children's Mercy Hospital. I mean, they are they are setting the standard for how we assess homes and particularly homes with children who have asthma and allergies. And oftentimes what they're looking for are the the triggers. So the doc does the panel of um, allergy triggers and asthma triggers that these folks have. And then Kevin and his team go out and they assess the home and they figure out, you know, what, what can be done to help reduce some of these triggers but also how to educate the homeowners and it's a, it's a really nice program and Kevin does a nice job of talking about it and and sharing that information so freely with everyone else we also had Carl Grimes on that panel and Carl's the same way you know but Carl focuses more on sensitive individuals and working with those that are sensitized, and he he did a nice job on on helping us understand a little better what he does. Um, we also had uh, Dr. Patricia Cafaro, Pat Cafaro, who's a good friend, and and her theme was all about communication. And she actually did a, something a little different in that you know she brought people up from the audience and then had them communicate in two different ways. You know, one one way where they're actually you know doing a better job of describing exactly what it is they wanted as opposed to just saying what they wanted. You know, there's there's ways of communicating that we don't always think about. But let's get back to the allergen presentation because one of the things we did is we did another research project. Now, it was kind of quickly put together. We had these four hotel rooms. We did before and after sampling of dust on the carpet. Luke Guard did the sampling. I knew we were going to have a bit of a problem after I talked to him after the sampling. I'll explain why in a moment. But what we were looking at was a control room, a room where we just used a regular vacuum. We took a vacuum right from the housekeeping group. Another room where we HEPA vacuumed the carpet after we had done the sampling. And a third room where we did hot water extraction with a portable carpet cleaning machine after we did the sampling. And the, the biggest problem we had was the folks at Seven Springs have been doing such a good job of maintaining the rooms, we couldn't get a whole lot of allergen on our samples. Uh, We couldn't even get a lot of dust. And uh, I knew this was going to be a bit of an issue after Luke came to me after doing the sampling and said, you know, Joe, I've I've done dust samples in thousands of homes and buildings and schools. And I had a really hard time getting enough dust off the carpet. And I'm afraid we're not going to get a very good sample. Well, Luke's um, Luke's his thoughts were, were confirmed when we got the sample results back because the first comment that uh, Dr. King, Eva, sent me back was that all the samples pre- and post-treatment in the four rooms were pretty clean in general, allergen-wise. So we, we didn't, really didn't have a good enough load to determine whether or not these responses we're going to do a whole lot. Now, we did get a little bit, um, you know, there was uh, a little bit of uh, decent information. I can't really, I haven't had a chance to really um, review it and talk to Eva enough about it before uh, coming out with too much. But um, a few of the rooms had some dust mite allergen. Um, There was very little with respect to cat and dog, and primarily because I don't believe those rooms were, um you know they weren't supposed to have pets in the room although one of them came up a little high for dogs so there's a chance somebody snuck a pet in into that room and uh we now know that room is uh one that maybe we don't want kids with dog allergies in but they'll they'll do a good job of getting it cleaned up once we figure all that out um so next year i think what we'll do is take eva's um suggestion and actually load the carpet a little bit with uh, with uh, something that we can measure before and after and get a get a better idea of uh, what happens after these treatments um, there may be some very small uh, statements we can make after we're done with you know analyzing everything here but in general it was uh it was not going to get us a whole lot of information but that also is a learning experience you know we We learned that um, they're doing a good job of the housekeeping. Secondly, we learned that you have to think this out a little more in advance and maybe even do some sampling in advance to see what kind of load you have and whether or not, you know, there's going to be enough of a reduction to get you anything that you can give some some, uh, validity to, some statistical analysis on and really get something from. So that was very interesting, and I I, uh, really appreciate Dr. King helping us out with that. With that um, research we did, and also with her presentation on the allergens because that's that's an area I think a lot of us can learn a lot more on. Um, let me turn it over quickly to Nate and or Ed or Cliff. Any of you, any comments on that?
3: Well, this is Nate again. Uh, one thing that uh, Dr. King had found interesting, and so did I as well, was that uh, uh, fully a third of homes didn't have uh, allergen levels in them high enough uh, to set off any reaction. Um, uh, so Joe, you probably remember what the specific word for that is, uh, morbidity, I to, believe it is. To be considered
1: um, clinically relevant, I think, would be... Um, when I, I do believe you're right with the morbidity. I'd have to look at that, to. too. Um, I don't know, maybe we'll, she'll text us in, and <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll find out what that is.
3: Well, I'm actually looking through the slide. It, it was morbidity. Morbidity, um, okay. Uh, and yeah, that, that's if it was high enough uh, to be likely to cause allergic reactions in anyone. Yes. Uh, the, nearly half the population, the 44%, uh, has uh, uh, an allergy to at least one of the things that they test for, uh, the common things. Um, but uh, interestingly enough, fully one third of the homes that they, they got samples from, they they did a large study, uh, did not have anything in the dust samples that would set off people's allergies. And she thought it was unusual, but it was that high of a percentage. And so did I.
1: Yeah, I agree. And that um, I thought, Dust Mite was more prevalent than maybe it is, is one of the impressions I got from her presentation as well. Ed.
3: Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, Joey, no, um, I love Dr. Eva King. She was great. Before I jump into her, I have to take one step back though, and pay a quick respect on the comments were made on on Green and, and Carl Grimes taught me something very important here, is that We as an industry, I, as vast restoration guys, even in healthcare, I see, like, how much people lean on MSDS sheets. And I found it disturbing, surprising, Uh, some other creative adjectives, I won't say here, that MSDS sheets are not monitored. There is not a governing agency. There is not a watchdog. There is nobody to check the validity of what he's put on these MSDS sheets. And to hear Carl's story about how he built a home specifically to make it as green as green could be. And it ended up being less than he had hoped for because of the inconsistencies and the lack of data put in the MSDS is basically just to sell product. Uh, I wanted to back up and, and give Carl props there. Um, smart guy. And, and something that I think all of us lean on and, and need to take a little bit of a harder look at is that MSDS. Um, back to Dr. Dr. Kim, she was great. You know, to, to be charismatic and to be as smart as she is in the ability to communicate with people is a special gift, and she definitely has it. And I think the, the thing that stuck with me that she said, in my mind, is this mold is messy. And because maybe because I kept asking it so much, is, is we talked a lot about testing and sampling and how it's not, there's um, no validity in basically, what we do. And she brought up a great point, is, is that mold is messy because it's very complex and that it's, it, it's always changing. And that because it's a living, breathing organism, when you look at it in this stage, Today and you look at it in a stage from two days from now, the dynamics change greatly. And she, she had, it was wonderful because we kept trying to peg her with, well, what about this? Well, what you know, mycotoxin is important, or cell walls important, or, and the microbial is important. And she just really was smart enough and wise enough to say, we've got good data, but understand that mold is messy. And I really appreciated that because I think that. Again, it speaks to we need more data. We've made great progress with where we're at, but it was nice to hear that all of the answers are not out there yet and that the stuff that we have, some of it probably is a little bit more made up than we care for it to be and that we as an industry need to uh, be open-minded to somehow figuring out a way to fund Better data and get better data. And that mold is messy and it's complex. Um, but such a charismatic person. I just loved her approach and her realism. And anybody that can get up on a stage and says, "If I start to get too geeky, just <laughs> just yell at me." I mean, it, it, it was unbelievable that you know she was so smart, but yet had the ability to be able to communicate with all of us. Clearly, a person that can teach all of us something a whole heck of a lot more about what we do i i love Eva. i can't say enough
1: about her let me let me clarify i want to make sure that i have these statements right so i'm i'm coming right from reef right from eva she texted in the cdc's nhanes n-h-a-n-e-s study showed that about a one-third of homes did not have levels of allergens from dust mite or pets above the morbidity level. So you were right, Nate. You you got that one. Nailed it. Secondly, the morbidity level means that below that level, most allergic individuals will not have an allergic reaction below that exposure level. So that was great. And uh Ed she says she owes you a drink. So that was that was wonderful. And I, I, I'm so glad you brought up the mold thing and being messy because that was something that I thought was really interesting that, you know, I thought it was pretty clear. Uh where where the allergens were were and, and, you know, what molds produced them. And it's, it's really rather messy still to this point. So I I thought that was fantastic stuff. I also want to, um, real quick, because we're, we're running low on time. I want to make sure I mention uh, Jim Pemberton, uh, Jim is a local guy here. He's actually from the Pittsburgh area and he's been in the carpet and, uh, restoration world for, you know, probably 35 years and he did a, a really nice basic presentation for us on carpet and talked a little bit about fiber id and 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 how difficult um, you know the matrix of carpet can be and and some of the misconceptions about carpet i, I thought he did a great job i'm looking forward to reviewing that um that particular presentation again because we do have them all on videotape i want to watch that one again because unfortunately i get pulled in a couple different directions but i wanted to mention that one and cliff i wanted to turn it over to you was there anything on that that second half of the third day that stuck out for you
2: well i I think that you know going back to eve again um I, i think that the, the peanut stuff and, and the study that they did, you know, in her laboratory on on peanut oils and peanut butter and, you know, these nut It's really something I never really thought about. You know, I think and you know, when you fly on an airplane, you know, they don't give out peanuts and I think most people will probably and you know, peanuts are banned from school, but they don't ban peanut butter and they don't ban all this other stuff. And I I think that you know, it certainly raised and heightened my awareness to, you know, other types of, of nut allergens. And, you know, I'm just smiling back to when she went into the little dance. <laughs> that was pretty funny actually. <laughs> I like
1: that. It was great. Now, one other thing I want to point out before we have to go, radio Joe's got to go, uh, got to go hit the golf ball and support one of our local candidates here this afternoon. But anyway, um, I want to mention Dave Drenard, who is with Sunbelt Rentals, who arranged for a demonstration of the echo blasting process, where they have a, it's a, like a combination of vapor pressure, and then they put a little bit of an aggregate in there. Um, it depends on what you're doing, on what you put in. You can use dry, or you can use soda. You can use um, um, walnut shells, you know. It depends on what you're trying to clean. And he actually had the the machine there and did a little demonstration for folks uh, during lunch on the third day. And it, it just made me realize, Cliff, how damn hard it is to sometimes get things through on the radio show, um, and, and how much how important and, and what a great learning experience it is to even just have a 10 or 15-minute demonstration like Dave did. And I want to thank him for arranging that. It was it was really an eye-opener for me. And I don't know about you, Cliff, but um, very interesting. I'll tell you another thing I learned really the hard way. You better have hearing protection. And um, if I ever do that again, I'll make darn sure we have uh, some kind of hearing protection for everybody that was there. He actually let one of the guys uh, blast a little bit. We pulled some stuff out of the garbage, actually, and blasted different types of materials. But uh, excellent demonstration. I, I love that, and I think we should include it again next year, Cliff, or well, something I, similar.
2: I think, I think I think it will probably be worth as while because there was someone from Minnesota Uh, you know, where exterior blasting is outlawed in their state, and they could utilize this technology because it would, you know, what is it, 97 or 98% reduction in terms of uh, particulates. So very, very impressive system.
1: Yep. I I think, you know, when it comes to worker protection and and, uh, personal protective equipment, you can reduce that a bit you got to have the noise, you know, the the hearing protection, but the particulate load is brought way down uh, when they're using this process. I also would be remiss if I didn't mention John Lapoteur. John, thank you so much. Um, He came in and filled in. For Bernie Bloom and Bernie, I hope you're feeling better. Uh, Bernie had um, had to go to the hospital there a couple weeks back. Him and his wife both. We we our thoughts are with you, Bernie. I hope you're feeling better. John did a great job of of discussing foam um, and, and spray foam products and the difference between the types of spray foam products out there. And then what was really neat was Richard Rue, who loves foam, and John, who isn't necessarily a huge foam fan, um, actually came to a big-time agreement, I thought, after um, after their presentations. And, and John actually was talking to Richard about maybe having some of his contractors he works with uh, get involved with that EnergyWise program. So I thought that was fantastic. Richard, I want to thank him so much. He came up from Texas and flew in, brought his lovely wife, and um, spent a couple of days with us there, actually all three days, and uh, did a fantastic job of presenting you know, how his research over the years has led to the program he's currently using. And, of course, you can always go back and Google um, our show or go to our website, IAQ Radio, and put in Richard Rue, R-U-E, and listen to that show. So um, I also want to mention and thank Mark Salvatelli. Mark is the uh, executive director for our IA. He came up and did some interesting discussion and great question and answer on their Um. What do you call that uh, settlement agreement with, uh, with the heat people, Cliff? What is great it? Safe Harbor. Safe Harbor program. Yeah. Um, answered some really good questions on the Safe Harbor program, the 105 degree thing, where that came from, and all of those different things, uh, different topics. So uh, great job again um, by Mark Salvatelli. We, I think I've mentioned everybody now. Pete Consigli, of course. Pete, so. Thank you so much for your help, and especially on day three, Dr. Ralph Moon. I mean, Ralph, I love um, his his style. is just you know so uh, pleasant. You know, he's just a pleasant kind of guy, and he puts together a nice presentation. He talked about you know how we have to kind of use science to make sure. You know, Cliff was talking earlier about bringing insurance and the restoration companies together. Well the way you do that in part is by having good science and, and citing that science. And then, you know, it's kind of tough to refute. Um, so Dr. Moon, thank you so much. Of course, um, Dr. Eva King, Nate Adams, Richard Rue, Luke Gard, Eric Shapiro. I forgot to mention Eric Shapiro. Um, Eric Shapiro, who helped so much, taught the a lot of the indoor environmentalist course. He helped so much with the... Um, w- with the research we did, him and Luke Gard both, um, great job by them. Of course, Dr. Pat Cafaro, again, I uh, thought she did a wonderful job. She's a, a nurse. Uh, actually, she's the head of the nursing program down at uh, VCU, Virginia Commonwealth. Or I, I, I may not have had that quite right, but she's works with the nurse practitioners and helps with allergy and asthma program there. I thought she did a nice job of talking about communication between practitioners and uh, patients and the medical community she kind of tied it together in a way that it didn't matter who we were talking about she just helped us learn more about how our communication affects what we're trying to get through to other people of course carl grimes i mentioned kevin kennedy dr spurgeon i mean jeff siegel we we just had a, a real great great show great presentations and uh you'll be hearing more about it as we go along how we can, you know, you'll learn more about how you can get more information on the presentations. Uh, we're going to try and get some of the videos up for folks. So thanks to Ed. Uh, any final comments, Ed, Nate?
0: Uh, yeah, thanks. I just want to thank everybody. Yeah, definitely Jimmy Pemberton. He's always been uh, a mentor of mine almost as much as the D-man has been. It was just a wealth of knowledge all week in that room, and it's able, you know, to be able to put it together like that, uh, Joe, i got to thank you, man. Keep putting this together, and we're going to make strides forward for our industry.
1: Well, thank you, and thanks for joining us, Ed. That was, it was great to have you there and get to meet you in person. Nate? Uh,
3: I really just need to echo what Ed was saying. Thanks for putting it together and bringing together such a diverse group of people with different interests but all pulling in the same basic direction, which is we're all looking for better indoor environmental quality.
1: And Cliff, any final comments.
3: No, I think that again, it's
2: just echo what everyone else has, you know, said. I think everyone there, you know, just wants to make uh, the world a, a better place and uh it was good.
1: I wanna leave by thanking the the staff at Seven Springs Resort in Seven Springs, Pennsylvania, the southwest corner of Pennsylvania here. We are uh so happy that they were just they were so hospitable they did a a wonderful job and um they they do everything they can to try and make sure that our event went well and uh, i actually talked to a couple of the uh, you know, the the top dogs there not long after. And they were all asking, did everything go well? Did everybody treat you well? And um, they were fantastic. And, and the facility is a, a great place to do this type of thing. I think next year we may even have some sponsors come in and maybe do a one-day Um, where we we have the sponsors do some demonstrations and um, set up a little booth. So we'll keep people informed. Um, We'll be back next Friday at noon. We've got another edition of IAQ Radio. This is Radio Joe Hughes saying thanks to this week's guests, um, Nate Adams, of course, Ed Ranieri, my co-host, the Z-Man, Cliff Slotnick, but most importantly, our growing group of loyal listeners. Please come back and join us next week for the next episode of IAQ Radio.